That music is an invitation, an invitation to sit up and join me as we look into God's Word. This isn't your parents' Bible study or some pre-printed material from your denomination. Each episode, we tear into God's letter to humanity to see what would God have us know about Himself, about the world around us, and about ourselves. I am Brother Mitchell from the Discipleship Center, and you are listening to the TDC Podcast. Each time I get in my car, I flip on our local Christian contemporary music radio station. I listen to this station mostly because the music is somewhat enjoyable, and we'll probably end up singing the song at church anyway eventually, so I might as well get used to the song while it's on the radio. Lately, though, I've been hearing this idea of celebrating our brokenness over and over on the DJ side comments. Not only have I been hearing it on the radio, but I've also been seeing it on Facebook as well with posts like Brokenness, Accepting God's Will, or The New Life Project, Songs of Brokenness and Healing, or His Strength in Our Brokenness, Brokenness, The Heart God Reveals, or Celebrate Your Brokenness. And I'm not really sure I understand celebrating brokenness at all. So I did a little search on messages about celebrating brokenness to learn more. I found an article by a guy named Jeff Blom, whose thoughts on this subject look to be fairly mainstream. Brokenness seems to have two meanings. On the one hand, brokenness sounds like repentance when Jeff says, Submitting to your brokenness is the crucial step to living God's will for your life, or God's will for his life that you are living because your life isn't really yours, it's God's. But on the other hand, brokenness also sounds like a state of unrepentance. And the unregenerate man, when Jeff says, once we have been taken and blessed, we must submit to become broken before we can be given. This is beautiful and so conforming to hear because I cannot help my sinfulness. I cannot help my brokenness. Jeff isn't alone in this new pop doctrine of brokenness. Francesca Batticelli's song, If We're Honest, contains the following verses. I'm a mess and so are you. We've built walls that nobody can get through. Yeah, it may be hard, but the best thing we could ever do. Bring your brokenness, and I'll bring mine, because love can heal what hurt divides. And mercy's waiting on the other side, if we're honest. Don't pretend to be something that you're not, living life afraid of getting caught. There's freedom found when we lay our secrets down at the cross. And then at this point, she breaks in a ballad about how being honest will set us free. Well, Francesca, let me be honest with you for a second. We are born into sin and need a savior. And if that's what you want to be honest about, why don't you just say so? Unless this is your confession about your own condition. If you profess to be a Christian, why are you still bringing your brokenness to the cross except that you weren't ready to follow Jesus the last time you were humbled by your broken condition? Either that or as it says in Hebrews chapter 6, you were enlightened about salvation, but you have chosen to fall away and are unable to be restored by repentance because you are continually crucifying Jesus and holding him in contempt by your life. There's an insidious nature of undefined language. When we allow false teachers to throw in ambiguous concepts at us with half-truths mixed in, we're subjugating our minds to the doctrine of demons. 
For example, I would agree that part of repentance is an acknowledgement of our sin and godly sorrow. Paul, writing to the Corinthian churches, cited this type of brokenness over sin and how it changes our lives through repentance. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourself innocent in the matter. What I don't see in that passage is a celebration of grief or brokenness, but rather a desire to move ahead into a correct relationship with God. The celebration of staying in your brokenness or broken state is refuted many places in the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Galatians chapter 2. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How could we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Philippians chapter 1 I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Galatians chapter 5, but I say this, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 1 John chapter 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The question is, what is the nature of man? The problem with seeking to stay in a position of brokenness isn't God's ability to redeem, regenerate, and renew, but rather it's the willingness of man to repent. When we acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord over all things, including our final judgment and torture in the lake of fire, in Revelation chapter 20, then we decide if we will repent, turning away from our sin and follow Jesus as our Lord, or decide to reject Jesus as our Lord and live as our pleasure dictates and put off our judgment for a later time. Where the church has failed mankind is in the presentation of the true gospel. The message of John the Baptist, of Jesus, and of the apostles is that you need to repent of your sins and follow Christ in order to unlock the free gift of forgiveness. When we decided to make a new and more appealing gospel, where Jesus wants to be your friend and take you to heaven with him if only we would ask him into our hearts, we've created a new religion with a new Jesus and a new set of standards to appease this new God. Why would the church do something like this? It's because the nature of man is to rebel against God. Even those who claim to be Christians can be deluded by a new feel-good message of salvation. They may have made a profession of faith based on a lie. 
then they could be caught in a series of delusions that have been going on for multiple generations of preachers and schools who have taught a new gospel that doesn't match the Bible. Do you think I'm stretching the truth a little? Well, consider Jesus' warning in Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. If the whole gospel is centered on how you feel, and the decision you make, and what Jesus can do for you, but the message of repentance and following Jesus as your Lord is ignored, then you're left with an emotional experience, but salvation is still as far off as it ever was for you. To make matters even worse, now that you're stuck relying on this emotional experience, you're also being told not to expect any change in your life because we're celebrating our being broken and being unfixable. So feel bad because of sin, but keep on sinning and feeling bad about it because that's how you know God works because you're having a continuation of emotional experiences. What were we saved for anyway? Ultimately, everything that God does is for his own good pleasure and his glory. Our creation, our redemption, our sanctification, and our future glorification is all based in God's good pleasure and to bring himself glory. We are given an opportunity to follow Jesus Christ, live a life not enslaved to our own desires, inherit God's kingdom, and avoid the penalty of wrath and hell that we deserve. The real question to answer is, why would we want to keep ourselves in rebellion of his plan for our lives and continue in a state of unfruitfulness, unrepentance, and unforgiveness? The Discipleship Center and its subsidiaries, TDC Aquaponics and TDC Farm, are a registered 501c3 charity serving in the not-so-beautiful city of Kekakee and its surroundings. Have you or a loved one been struggling with substance abuse, chronic unemployment, need some work experience after a recent incarceration, or just failed to move on to a more productive phase of life? There is hope just around the corner with the Discipleship Center where every life matters and we strive to fulfill the Great Commission one life at a time. Check us out on the web at www.discipleshipctr.org today.